Sure, we've all had fun messing around with AI image generators and conversation bots, but AI is more than a novelty, and it's possible that your business could benefit from AI integration. SAP Business AI can help your business innovate, whether it's supply chain, finance, human resources, sales and marketing, even a generative AI co-pilot. SAP Business AI can offer the solutions you've only dreamt of. Revolutionary technology, real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. Learn more at sap.com slash AI. Yeah, don't it sound so epic? Horns are screaming, I ain't the one you want to mess with. Use a joke, I ain't the one you want to jest with. The battle's coming, you only got a few seconds to run. Hello, Bengals fans. I am Matt Minnick, and this is Chalk Talk. Well, that was ugly last week. Uh, time to move on, though. Uh, get another shot at the Steelers later. But for now, it is the Washington football team. And since the Washington football team is not highly covered this year, we're bringing in an expert to talk a little bit about this team and and get get us caught up on where they're at. So today I am joined by Matt Valdovinos, who covers the the NFL and the Washington football team for Pro Football Network. Matt, how are you doing today? I'm always doing good. Uh, thank you for having me on. I'm excited to talk ball. I it was it's really hard to keep saying Washington football team. I keep yeah, almost slipping. The, so right now a hot topic is that it might just be that. Um, for the foreseeable future. So really, yeah, the franchise is not ruling it out as an option for the permanent name. Uh, I, I mean, there's got to be like a, like a focus grouper. Yeah, know, but I don't imagine the focus like, group well. What yeah. to do, right? I can't imagine the focus group like well represents what the fan base would want, anyways. Yeah, um, but it's a safe pick, right? Like it's it's definitely better than picking a really really bad name and logo. But true. You don't want to jump into it. Yeah, yeah and, exactly. and then, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's there's all sorts of things to consider. You're, yeah. a, you're a Red Wolves guy, right? I, I do think the name is cool. I think it's enjoyable. I think my favorite part about the idea of the Red Wolves name is that when they build a new stadium, right, 100,000 people or whatever it would be, howling, mm. um, anytime the team scores, I think would be really, really sick. But I'm just, a, I want a, a original name. That isn't too corny. Um, mm-hmm. I don't want the Warriors. That's a really popular one. I'm not a fan of the Warriors. Um, uh, yeah, that, that's problematic too. That's the sort of decision. Away. That's why you delay making the name so you don't make a bad decision like that exactly. uh, because that could definitely uh, cause some issues. So, um, well, we won't go too far down that rabbit rabbit hole. But that would be interesting though. Like uh, if they if they stuck with it. They could kind of be like the Browns, like you know, like the Browns is is nothing, but they use a dog logo. I mean, yeah. well, the, the Browns is is our owner, but uh, but they use the dog logo. So if they if they you know just call themselves the football team and use the hog logo, uh, I don't know, that could be pretty cool. Yeah, I think there's definitely like like they didn't go into the year expecting to be the the Washington football team, um, right? So they they didn't have much time to. Uh, prepare but i think if they you know invested into like making it the full brand i don't think it would be terrible like i said it's definitely better than having a bad like yes yeah absolutely um so let's talk about 
this team and lots of action at the most important position, the quarterback position. You've got a, a uh, second-year player who you know, notably beat out Joe Burrow at Ohio State. I, I, I kept hearing about it all offseason, about how Joe Burrow was going to be <laughs> no good. But lots of movement there, lots of action with – with uh, Alex Smith, Kyle Allen as well. So what's the situation right now? And what do you think the future, you know, not getting too deep, but what do you think uh, the future might be for you? Well, unfortunately, the future doesn't, you know, a Joe Burrow to build around. Um, going into this game, as far as this game is concerned, Alex Smith is going to be the starter, barring, uh, God forbid, an injury. Uh, he is the only quarterback we will see on Sunday. Uh, I expect Dwayne Haskins to be active and he will function as the backup quarterback. Uh, as far as the situation is going, it's not great. Washington is now three quarterbacks into the 2020 season. Um, Alex Smith, some fans think Alex Smith was amazing last week and the week before. He has not been. Uh, he's did. I mean, he's been a below average quarterback still. Um, the arm's not there, right? And it never really was. But he's noticeably physically weaker than he was um, prior to the the horrific leg injury. So offense winning through the arm of Alex Smith isn't sustainable. So if the Bengals can start to get into a shootout with Washington, um, I expect them to, to win heavily. Well, that would be a nice change of pace uh, for everybody in Cincinnati. Um, now you mentioned, you know, trying to run the, the offense through that arm you got one really good receiver, uh, another guy that, that we're very familiar with, and Terry McLaurin, an Ohio State guy. Um, but then when you get past that, I mean, it doesn't seem like they've really done much uh, to put put a lot of talent around them and help whoever the quarterback is succeed. Uh, are there are there some diamonds in the roughs there? In the roughs? <laughs> are there some diamonds in the rough uh, within that, that uh, receiver core? Um. Yes and no. No, if you're looking for, like, actual good players by NFL standards, it is very much Terry McLaurin and then a cliff. Um, but if you look at the resources they've invested, I mean, the entirety of their passing offense, uh, Logan Thomas is their second rank, their second leading receiver this year. He's their starting tight end. Uh, he came on in a super cheap, I think, one- or two-year deal. You know, he's a former quarterback, seventh-round pick, turned tight end. Um, Cam Sims, undrafted free agent, he's their – Fourth, he's their third leading non-running back receiver because the running backs are so involved in the passing game. But yeah, Cam Sims, Isaiah Wright, Steven Sims Jr. These are all people who were undrafted free agents. So the value they get for not using any resources into the wide receiver unit is great, but the talent overall is sorely lacking. Um, but Terry McLaurin's a superstar. So. Yeah, you mentioned the the running backs and uh, you know JD McKissick getting a lot of touches out of the backfield, uh, a lot of targets there. Antonio Gibson though is is a guy that I'm a little surprised they don't use him more in the passing game. Uh, you know he he has was kind of a, a surprise falling into their primary running back role this year, uh, but really really talented guy. Uh, how, how's how's he looking so far this year? He's physically he's. Excellent, right? I think he's, I mean, instantly, he's one of the leading NFL rushers this year in yards after contact, um, in forcing his tackles, right? And a lot of these efficient stats, and it's because he's so physically dominant. Um, he's so naturally elusive, and he's a very tough runner. He's got a very strong, compact frame at like 6'1", 220, uh, and he's a 4'3 guy, right? So he's 
he's supremely athletic. The issue is he's just now playing running back, right? Last year, he he kind of half and half receiver running back in his last year at Memphis. This is the first year he's a full-time running back. His vision is not the standard of an NFL running back. Um, we talk about the forced missed tackles and, and the yards after contact. It's because he's creating it himself. There, there are cutback holes that are often open, and this is a dude who, if he has the vision, uh, he's one of the NFL's leaders in rushing yards right now because there are so many cutback options or so – so many holes that get opened up that he doesn't see because he's still learning the position, and that's okay. He's doing a very, very good job for someone who hasn't played running back before, right? He's averaging 4.2 yards per carry, seven touchdowns uh, on only 103 attempts, right? So he's still producing, um, but he isn't going to be a difference maker um, until next year or the year after where he starts to get into that understanding the vision, moving through the blocks, uh, seeing where cutback holes are going to be and how to create yards without having to run into the defense. As you watch film, is he improving in those areas week to week? Uh, yeah, his last game was pretty rough uh, against Detroit. He left a lot of yards on the field. I would hope that that was just a one-time thing. You know, it is what it is. He still had a relatively solid game. Like you said earlier, he's not used much as a receiver. That's because he's very poor in pass protection as well something that you really don't spend much time on working as a wide receiver turned to running back. So someone like Jamie McKissick, who's been someone like Payne Barber, who have been playing the position for much longer, naturally understand what they're doing a little bit better. And this is why I wish that they had kept Adrian Peterson, because that is somebody who can teach you how to be a running back, right? No, not many people were better just running backs than Adrian Peterson was. That that does kind of bite them in the butt, but I think Antonio Gibson will grow and get better in these areas. Yeah, he's a you know he he's a big dude too, and he really seems like he could be that multi-talented guy you want. And you saw it, you saw it in Memphis, you saw it on his college tape. Uh, I was kind of interested in him as a receiver that could maybe be a guy you messed around with a little bit uh, in the backfield, kind of in the Lavisca Chenault almost. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, or or a Cordero Patterson. But yeah, I mean. The, Definitely a guy who's really interesting and, and has some some high end potential for them. Now you mentioned that, that the uh, he wasn't always finding his holes. Uh, you know, looking at, at this offensive line, obviously kind of a, a storied position for Washington, as, as we mentioned the Hogs earlier. How do you think that group's doing over all this year? I know, I know they've got uh, Scherf, who is a very good uh, guard for them. It seems like they have some struggles in other areas, in particular pass protection. Yeah, so the unit's been better overall than I expected them to be. Um, the unit was going to – it was supposed to be a complete liability. It's only kind of a liability now. The The surprising thing was that right tackle Morgan Moses had a, a rough start in his first – in his rookie year. Then he put together two really, really almost Pro Bowl – actually probably Pro Bowl level caliber years uh, and then kind of fell off the face of the cliff after getting a contract. Uh, now he's playing at a Pro Bowl level again. He's probably playing the best football of his career. And so that was huge into the offensive line not being a complete liability. Brandon Scherf, obviously, you talked about, is an actually elite player. He's probably the best player on Washington's team uh, and arguably one of the five best guards in the NFL. And their center, Chase Rullier, who's constantly underrated, and I think he's one of the better centers in the NFL too, probably like a top 12 to 16 guy in, in the top half. So the right side of the line was was strong. The issue is, Who's going to be the left tackle and who's going to be the left guard? Uh, they started Wes Martin in his second year at Indiana at left guard, and he was 
horrendous. He was one of the worst starters in the NFL at any position. He looked like Bobby Hart out there, who's actually been a little bit better recently. But it was poor, poor play, and so they had to they had to make a substitution. They went in with uh, Wes Schweitzer, who's now starting left guard, and, and he's been an improvement. The issue is now injuries are starting to pile up. They lost their starting left tackle, John Christian Sr., and now they lost backup Cornelius Lucas, and he might be out for this Bengals game as well. So that would mean that Morgan Moses would have to move the left tackle and they would start. Uh, I don't even remember who came in at right tackle. Uh, I think it was David <laughs> Sharp. Uh, they traded in front of him from Oakland and he would move into right tackle. That is the worst case scenario. Morgan Moses looked abysmal left tackle. David Sharp should not be playing NFL in the NFL um, consistently. So there are definitely issues that they're going to have to work out and see what's going on. But if, if Cornelius Lewis can't go and Morgan Moses is forced to to play left tackle, that is a big win for Cincinnati. Yeah, and uh, Carl Lawson primarily lining up at right end for the Bengals. Uh, that's a pretty nice little matchup for the Bengals. Now, kind of transitioning to the pass rush uh, from from talking about our pass rusher to, to uh, the Washington pass rushers. You mentioned receiver. They're getting a lot of value out of very little um, in terms of investment, in terms of draft capital. They have put a lot of draft capital into this defensive line. Um, you've got Chase Young, first-round pick. you got Montez Sweat, first-round pick. You've got Jonathan Allen, first-round pick. Uh, Brian Kerrigan, Tim Settle, uh, Jerron Payne. I mean, like, this is a loaded defensive line. Um, I mean, definitely very productive uh, getting after the quarterback this year. Uh, what, do, what, do you, what do you think of this group? I mean, this has got to be the strength of the team. Am I right? Yeah, and it is. The issue is it's very young still, right? Chase Young's a rookie, Montez Sweat in his second year. Aside from Ryan Kerrigan, most of these guys are under 25, and they lost Matt Ioannidis, who last year was their best pass rusher overall. So that hurts a lot. Um, the issue is they're very streaky, right? There are a couple plays where they will dominate and force a three and out by themselves exclusively with those four players. And then there are other series where, okay, what's happening? Why are we just letting up these big drives? Right. So the consistency is going to develop and also the poor linebacker play, which we'll get into in a sec doesn't help. Um, Mm. But I do think if we're talking about, you know, game impact, they are far and away the most impactful unit on the team. And honestly, if I was going to pick a winner um, or, or a caveat that would decide the game, it's whether or not Washington's defensive line dominates, right? If they dominate the game, they're after Joe Burrow the entire time. They're making a move, get off base. And even though he can make some phenomenal plays outside the pocket, uh, Montez Sweat and, and Chase Young are two of the faster edge rushers in the NFL. Even, even Joe Burrow is going to have issues getting the ball out at times. So mm-hmm. if Washington's defensive line can get after him for the entirety of the game, that's Washington's win condition, right? That's how they would win the game. Otherwise, I, I think it heavily would lean in Cincinnati's favor. Well, uh, today, as I'm recording this Thursday, Jonah Williams was a a full participant in practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bobby Hart might be back, but a lot of Bengals fans aren't that worried about that because <laughs> the energy looked so good last year, last week. Uh, they're hoping to get him a chance on the right side. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that would definitely be, you know, after seeing that defensive line in, in Pittsburgh last week, this would be another real challenge for the, for the Bengals offensive line, no matter... Uh, what that offensive line looks like uh, in terms of of the pass rush. But, I mean, 
it seems to me like the problems are are in the run game. Uh, you know, that's that's kind of where I, I see the the streakiness coming in, and and as you mentioned, that's going to tie in with the linebackers as well. But it seems like teams are able to have quite a bit of success running the football. I mean, is is that are are these guys pure pass rushers who struggle in that area, or is it because the linebackers aren't fitting well behind them? What what's the issue there? I don't think it's just that they're pass rushers. I think Deron Payne might be the most underrated defensive lineman in the game because he's arguably the best run defender in the NFL. Sure, sure. Yeah, uh, I would I would not I would not lump him in with the other guys in terms yeah. of the pass rush. I think he does have a couple sacks this year, but yeah, no, uh, like, but I wouldn't lump him he's in a there. Pass rusher, but he's not. He's by no he's the worst of the starters. The the big issue, like you said, is the linebackers. Washington's defense is very good because they're so good against the pass in the passing league. Uh, and that's because the the only place on the team where they have an above-average starter on defense is the defensive line, the entirety of it, and at cornerback. Their free safeties are horrendous, are, are god-awful. Their strong safety line in Collins couldn't cover a bud with a blanket this year, and he's out for the year. So they're starting seventh-round pick, Cameron Crow. And, and the linebackers are kind of just a crapshoot of athletes um, who don't really know what they're doing. So it's difficult to stop the run when – if they're, you know, bringing six people to block and you only have four linemen, you would expect your three linebackers to do something. Not always the case with Washington. <laughs> so they do have good athletes. And if their linebackers are playing well, they they can make stops, right? That's when we see their defense start to take over. But it's if their linebackers are able to get in those holes that are created for them. I do think that's a big Achilles heel in how the NFL is now, right? They want to spread you out when you're running the ball. You need linebackers that are going to be able to make tackles because you know you're not your defensive line is not getting blown off the ball with with any level of consistency. The linebackers really should have no troubles, yet they do. Um, they kind of just get caught in traffic. But yeah, that's that's the big thing. I wouldn't put the run defense much on the defensive line. Obviously, they have some blame, but the majority of it's on the linebackers. Sure, we've all had fun messing around with AI image generators and conversation bots, but AI is more than a novelty, and it's possible that your business could benefit from AI integration. SAP Business AI can help your business innovate, whether it's supply chain, finance, human resources, sales and marketing, even a generative AI co-pilot. SAP Business AI can offer the solutions you've only dreamt of. Revolutionary technology, real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. Learn more at sap.com slash AI. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. It's interesting too because you mentioned the the Washington team needing really to win that matchup uh, on the line to to have a chance in this game. And to me, like I look at I look at what just happened in the Pittsburgh game. I don't know if you're aware of this, Matt, but the Bengals were zero for thirteen converting third downs. Wow. Um, and, and I think there there were. You know, a couple. There were a couple of third and medium situations, but there were a lot of third and longs and a lot of third and extra longs. Uh, and you know, to me, like it's going to be about staying on schedule. You know, getting in a good position, getting 
uh, having some success on the early downs and putting yourself in a good good position because you know with with Pittsburgh when they were allowed to tee off uh, it was it was causing the Bengals some problems and this is the same sort of situation you know if you put Montez Sweat and Chase Young and, and you know at all in that position where it's third and fifteen and you know what's coming uh, that's gonna that's gonna be trouble it's gonna spell trouble for the for the Bengals offensive line. Um, you know, because they can commit to that. So that to me is, is, is where it's at. You know, it's, it, it's going to come down to that matchup, I think, with the pass protection and the, uh, and the offensive line, you know, uh, excuse me, the, the pass protection and the pass rush. But hopefully the Bengals can do something on early downs to help themselves out and stay out of their, uh, you know, those bad situations. So, the Bengals' top picks this year, you know, we, we talked about Chase Young, the, the Washington top pick. The Bengals' top picks were on offense. Joe Burrow, who has been excellent as a rookie for the most part, has struggled against a couple of, of top defenses that he will get another uh, chance at. And T. Higgins was their second pick, 33rd overall. So basically a first-rounder, not really, but basically – and Higgins has been really good this year as well. Uh, coming on very, very quickly for a rookie, especially over the last few weeks, has a great rapport with Burrow. Um, how do you think that uh, that Washington will match up against you know guys like Higgins, Boyd in the slot, AJ Green will be out there quite a quite a bit uh, with with Burrow trying to throw the ball to him? Well, you were preaching to the choir about T. Higgins. I I've been trying to tell my timeline that not enough people talk about him. Uh, I think he's the undisputed. I think he's undisputably a top three rookie receiver this year. I think he's ahead of Judy. I think he's ahead of guys like Brandon Ayuk. I think he's been better than Claypool. Um, he's been very, very good. And and he what is he on pace for a thousand yards this year or just under? She's oh, out to check on that. He wouldn't even do much at the beginning of the year. Yeah, exactly. So it's close. He's been he's been producing at a very high level and very consistently. So I do think Higgins is excellent. Um, well, Washington's pass defense is the. It's good, right? It's it's one of the best in the NFL. They aren't super, super talented uh, in the back end, especially not at safety, but at cornerback. Uh, they have some players. Kendall Fuller's been an all-pro this year. He's been arguably the best cornerback in the NFL this year. He's been excellent. He's doing it as a boundary corner, which not a lot of people expected. However, I could see him going, you know, moving into the slot. He'll do it if he needs to. Um, the team will put him there if they think it's it's the correct matchup to take over Tyler Boyd. However, I think we're more likely going to see Fuller follow T. Higgins on the boundary a lot and let Jimmy Moreland take on Tyler Boyd and Ronald Darby get a lot of uh, A.J. Green. But that being said, Washington's very comfortable in their scheme. They're very comfortable with all of their cornerbacks. So we could just see Fuller play on the left side of the offense, Darby play on the right side of the offense with uh, Moreau and Jimmy Moreland in the slot. As opposed to the secondary, I'm not too worried about any tight end the Bengals have, thankfully, unless we count Auden Tate as a tight end. Um, Don't let's not go there. <laughs> <laughs> so the safeties, I'm not too too worried about. But Joe Mixon is Joe Mixon's playing right. He's not hurt anymore. Uh, he did not practice today. So he, it, it sounded good early in the week, but he did not practice, so not 100% on that. Well, either way, because Giovanni Bernard can do it too, I would expect the Bengals running backs to get some touches in the passing game. Yeah, uh, it, that definitely seems uh, – I, I think running backs 
could be a really big part of this game, uh, regardless of who who it is. Uh, you know, Samaji P. Ryan looking pretty good too. And Washington football team legend Samaji P. Ryan. That's right. Was he? And I was surprised. Was he awesome in pass protection with you guys too? No, Jay Gruden had just. Uh, I mean, he wasn't <laughs> bad by any means, but like Jay Gruden would clinch onto these players. Um, and he was obsessed and, and convinced that these were the next superstars in the NFL. The first he did it with was Ryan Grant. So why is he at Tulane? I don't even know what team he's on anymore. Um, but he was on the team for like three years longer than he should have been <laughs> and getting substantial playing time because Jay Gruden really liked him. And so it was like Grant, uh, Trey Quinn was one of them, uh, and Samaje P. Ryan was one of them. And they just they swore on these guys. Yeah, it- uh, Piran, Piran's coming along though. Um, you know, I like. I don't think he's a. I don't think he's a star, but like, if the Bengals decide to get weird and you know, they, like they just signed an extension with Mixon, but I mean, like, if, if everything else was going for the team and they had the to win games with a combination of, of Geo and Piran, like you could do it. Yeah, but, but I don't necessarily think that's that's. I think that's just because running backs don't matter. Um, <laughs> yeah, my I, philosophy. I, yeah, I, I hear you in that, <laughs> but, but I mean, he, he does have some, uh, some versatility, mm-hmm. like the fact that he can hop out in the, in the uh, pass protection like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, he, he's a pretty decent little player. He's come along. So I've been pleasantly surprised by I was that. really hoping Rodney Anderson was going to hit with Cincinnati. Well, that's the thing is the Bengals have to have their quota. They've, they've got to have at least two Oklahoma right. Yeah, of course. Of course. So. <laughs> uh, by the way, on T Higgins, uh, so T has 603 yards. Uh, the Bengals have played nine games. T didn't do anything in the first game. I can't remember if he, he, he might have been a healthy scratch because they're so deep a receiver. But he didn't he didn't get a target in the first game. So in eight games, he has 603 yards. So yeah, he's he's on pace for for a thousand there. Um, That's good. Yeah, he's been a real consistent and really building. You know uh, that yep. rapport yep. with Burrow. Uh, they've got a real connection there and and. Shockingly, for the guy that fell to the second round because of bad testing, um, he's their deep threat right now. <laughs> so, so there you go. I'm definitely a T. Higgins fan. He has been balling out, and I just want Bengal fans to know that I, I do see him eating. He's commonly included in my weekly rookie rankings. Yeah, you see. As is Joe Burrow, of course. But you, You're starting to see the, uh, the A.J. Green comparisons. Uh, definitely, definitely showing up on the field. So, kind of overall broad question, the Bengals have struggled under Zach Taylor, uh, and I, I don't even want to get into the number, but they've been in a lot of one-score games, mm-hmm. and they have lost all of those games. <laughs> so, uh, To be fair, they lose the non-one-score games, too. Well, yeah, that's true, <laughs> but um, it's more, it's more one-score than none. Uh, and actually, to be fair, they 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 tied the Eagles. <laughs> I guess he called that a one score game. Oh, no. But anyway, uh, is that a win or a loss in a one score game? It's it, I mean it's it's not a loss, so there's that I guess. That's improved. Uh, but it might as well be. And and you know what it's going to do because uh, they're going to win. They're going to win a handful of games at the back end here, and and that that uh, tie is going to be what's going to knock them out of the top ten, or you know, it's going to. And it's going to down. Whatever, however many wins they have, they're going to be at the bottom of that uh, draft position wise because they throw the tie in there. So and that's pretty much what that equals out to. 
But anyway, uh, that, that tie is going to get Philadelphia into the playoffs because so, <laughs> they'll they'll have six wins, right? And the Bengals will have six wins. Tie knocks to the Cincinnati out of the top ten and against Philadelphia into the playoffs. Yeah, right. And, and think about how oh, what that does for Philadelphia's draft position too. Uh, oddly contested the NFC title. Yeah, it puts it puts them into like into like the twenties basically because they because they're a playoff team. Um, so, so on that note though. So Washington's uh, been in some one-score games, uh, and they have had some heartbreaking losses this year. Failed a two-point conversion for the win. Uh, Last-minute field goal. You got Alex Smith throwing a pick on a potential game-winning drive. I mean, is it is it something about the team? You think it's bad luck? And, and I think I'm it's asking bad because yeah, we got the same question about the Bengals, you know. <laughs> it's terrible quarterback play. You see, the Bengals, the Bengals' reason is totally different. That's just awful coaching. If you you really got to get into it and figure out like hmm, what's wrong with our football team, offensive line play has not helped the Bengals either. With Washington, it's just you have a piss poor quarterback, right? Like you theoretically, let's say, and I think about this a lot because it's kind of crazy to me. If Washington has an average to above average quarterback, right? So a a 16 to a top 16 to top 12 quarterback on their roster. They would have beaten the Lions last week. They would have beaten the Giants both times and they would have beaten the Browns at least. So that's four other wins. That means Washington is six and two, uh, six and three. So there's having a good quarterback does so much for your team overall. Um, that even in those late game moments, you know, okay, my quarterback's going to spend the, the correct amount of time on his clock. He's not going to throw an interception. He's going to win the game. Like, like having a quarterback where you can look at it and, and feel any resemblance of that in a one-score game is, is so important. You don't get that in Washington. And you haven't had that in Washington in, like, outside of a 16-game stretch in 2012 in, like, 25 years. Yeah, the Bengals have had some struggles defensively late in games, late in halves, really, mm-hmm. uh, that have hurt them. But, I mean, they also had, a, you know, a game end recently on a Joe Burrow pick. On the final drive, you know, he's a, he's a rookie, obviously. Um, you hope you're going to avoid some of those things in the future. But mm-hmm. uh, they had a a penalty. Week one, uh, A.J. Green caught the game-winning touchdown yeah. and, and called back. And then, uh, and then you got the kicker who only misses game winners <laughs> going out there. And he pulled um, the wrong leg. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, so that was – there's been some brutal things in there. There's been some tough things in there. And, and, you know, I think they, they got the right guy at quarterback, but they're going to need to come along and, and grow the offense around him to to make full use of that. And, I mean, you talk about the quarterback position, and, and that's honestly the frustration that Bengals fans have um, is when they're not clicking on offense. Uh, you know, they've they've lost a number of games this year. But the the ones that really got people upset were their losses to to Baltimore and and to Pittsburgh, and you know the, I mean obviously there's a bigger score differential there, um, you know, but it's it's also that those defenses really impacted the quarterback, uh, and those are the games where, where Burrow struggled. Even though the defense actually played pretty well against Baltimore. Um, you know, you don't you don't feel that because you don't feel like you're in the game when you're when your quarterback's not playing when you're in uh, you know when your offense isn't isn't scoring points. So I feel for you, man. 
Yeah, it'll be be interesting to see uh, how things play out, and man, hopefully, hopefully something can get going for Haskins though, because the guy's got some skills. But uh, you know, that's uh, that's why they like the quarterbacks that you know have a, a lot of starting experience, and you know, have some um, a little bit more development in, in college. You know, because you you get a lot of thrust on you when you when you get thrown into the the starting position as a as a top pick in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, I still think he's far and away the most talented quarterback on the roster. I don't know why they're refusing to uh, let him play, but it is what it is. They might decide that, you know, Alex Smith gets them to Justin Fields. is more likely to get them to Justin Fields or Penny Sewell, so we'll see. Do you think uh, in a I – don't, I don't want to say less competitive because mm-hmm. – the NFC East is just so weird. It, it, it defies logic. The the worst division. I mean, I would, it's the worst division in the NFL. But there's also a case to be made that it's the most competitive. There you go. All so bad. I mean, yeah, and that's what I'm, so a less competitive division, meaning yes. one where you let's where the teams say are worse. You've got a five win. You got a six win team in there, and you know you're not looking at wow. I mean, you guys are like a game and a half out of the playoffs right now, right? Yeah, uh, we're simultaneously top three in draft order and <laughs> two and a half games out of the playoffs. So, I mean, do you think uh, Ian Haskins is playing if if there's a six-win team in that division? Um, Maybe. <laughs> I think really- I, I- it really makes you question things like, like, yeah, it's, I have no idea. To make I don't know. I don't, you're not gonna do, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, my thing is, I don't know why he's not playing now. I don't understand. And my biggest criticism of Ron Rivera has been the, he, he like hard committed to Dwayne Haskins being the starting quarterback, right? Haskins was voted as a captain by everyone. Uh, Dwayne Haskins said, we are moving forward with this person as my quarterback. After saying that, Four games is not – four games where you're one in three and you lost to three playoff teams is not a situation where you go, okay, I've seen enough. Let's start the next guy, right? That just doesn't make sense to me. And I think Kyle Allen came in and played better, right? I don't think Alex Smith has been definitively better than than Dwayne Haskins was, but stats would tell you he has been. So even even then, it just it doesn't make sense to me because the playoffs were never supposed to be in reach anyways. So regardless, if you went into the playoffs knowing that you weren't going to play in them this year, regardless of the division being horrendous, you shouldn't change the philosophy of the team set for this year because of the small chance that you could be the least sucky of a very bad division. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm 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 absolutely 100 percent with you on that. It's a it's a weird situation. Uh, it's a weird setup, and and yeah, and, and like you mentioned, the lack of real talent at the receiver position. Uh, so it's, it's not like you're getting a great look from Haskins in, in that light anyway. So, it, yeah, it's it, it's definitely a, a weird call to make, a tough call to make it, it, at that point. Um, but obviously there's a lot of factors that go into that. And I don't know, they're changing the name and they're making a lot of changes up top. You know, Rivera might might not have that long of a leash, even though he's in, in year one and he's a guy with a, um, a very good resume coming into this position. It's also kind of interesting that uh, Rivera was with the Panthers, and I think I can't remember who it was, but somebody in the in the NFC South 
made the playoffs at seven and nine or something like that. I think it was yeah, I think it was the Panthers. Was the what? There. Okay, but and then like the next year, all those teams were really good. Yeah, <laughs> and not just that, um, the seven and nine Panthers. I'm pretty sure won a playoff game. Yeah, and then like eight. barely lost to the Seahawks. So, so it's like sure you, you wonder how much that, that that factors into it. It's like, all right, well, I don't know. I mean, yes, yeah, one more chance to go 500 against. <laughs> but uh, all right, well, um, again, yeah, today my my guest was Matt Voldavinas uh, as we preview the Washington football team matchup this weekend, and I have made it all the way through this podcast without slipping up and saying the wrong name. Wasn't easy because Washington football team is really sloppy. Yeah, they're going to need a nickname or <laughs> kind of go by the hogs or something. I, I don't know. Uh, you're probably used to it by now, but it's uh, it, it's sloppy to say. It, it was it was really rough early. So, Matt, uh, we mentioned Pro Football Network. Uh, where else can people find your work, follow you on Twitter and things like that? Yeah, absolutely. If you need – if you want to go find any of my work, just give me a follow on Twitter – at MB Scouting, I'm very active on my timeline. If you say something to me, there's a 99% chance I will respond, barring it being utterly stupid. And even then, I might respond. So, you know, shoot me a follow. Uh, we have a lot of fun, and, you know, all my stuff are, are right there on my Twitter. And if you try to interact with me on Twitter, I won't respond because I'm kind of a dick. I'm just kidding. So, uh, appreciate uh, everybody joining us. Uh, Matt, appreciate your time. Uh, and we've got the, you know, somebody's got to win this game this weekend. So has to. <laughs> looking forward to it. Uh, you know that, um, you know, the Bengals obviously see this as a winnable one, but guess what? Washington is circling this one on their schedule and looking to get right as well. And one of the big things that the Bengals need to figure out how to do is don't be the get right game. Uh, Cause they have been that team too far too often in the past dating back to the the greatest get-back game of all time, or at least the greatest, the most hyped-out get-back game of all time, Bill Belichick's famed, uh, we're on to Cincinnati. We're on to Cincinnati. <laughs> so uh, hopefully we don't have a repeat of anything like that. But uh, Matt, appreciate you joining me, and thank you, everybody, for checking us out today. Make sure you are following me at Coach Minnick on Twitter, and you check out the live pregame show this weekend and every weekend before the Bengals uh, game, that will be at 11, not 11, I, I'm saying it'll be 11 Central, uh, noon Eastern, uh, going right up to the Bengals game. We are live on YouTube and Facebook, so make sure you're checking that out. Who day? Yeah, we're coming for with sours. You hear the crowd, we're coming for with sours. Sure, we've all had fun messing around with AI image generators and conversation bots, but AI is more than a novelty, and it's possible that your business could benefit from AI integration. SAP Business AI can help your business innovate, whether it's supply chain, finance, human resources, sales and marketing, even a generative AI co-pilot. SAP Business AI can offer the solutions you've only dreamt of. Revolutionary technology, real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. Learn more at sap.com slash AI.